you know a spot. But not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque. There's one phrase that just hit me in reference to um, God, the ashes, anyway, he knows us. It just I read it before, but it just slipped my mind. Um, I think of the ashes, okay? Our ashes, our bodies will eventually um, break down and, and go to ashes. However, if God so intervenes, he's not going to let a body go to ashes. And so he did with St. Catherine of Siena. Now, it sounds a little 21st century, maybe challenging to accept, but, but we do it in our own ways. Relics. We, we save things. I save things from my family. If, if I have a letter from one of our presidents, uh, and, if you, and I have something from one of the popes. So it's not unusual for us to save relics. Now, relics can be a, a, an item associated with a particular person, like we have the relics of Mother Cabrini in front of her, a little piece of her bone. And if you want to see the full relic of most of the body of Mother Cabrini, we can go to Cabrini Shrine, which is right here in, in New York, in Washington uh, Heights. So relics are not unusual. Pieces of a person, and now it was funny, yesterday someone lost, someone lost a medallion, I was on Facebook, that had her father's ashes in it. Now, that's coming back, you know. So she's holding around her neck a relic of her father. Fine. I mean, uh, the proper way to bury a person is proper burial in a, a sanctified land or a mausoleum. But some people do other things that are different. Well, that idea of relics goes back to the early days of the church, when the early churches were finally allowed to be built, fourth century, uh, relics of the saints were put in the altars, like a little piece of bone in the altar or something else. Well, we were in Siena a few years ago, and my first thought was a little gross, but there was a beautiful box, and in it was a, a, a bronze head that was gilded, and it was a reliquary holding the head of St. Catherine of Siena. The first thought is, yuck. But the second thought, the more spiritual thought is, wow, this is that person. This is <clears throat> the relic of St. Catherine. It was preserved and placed in this little casket. The rest of her body is buried in the church of Santa Maria Sopra Minerva in Rome, uh, the church where her, her mass for her burial was celebrated by the Pope. And there, the rest of her body is in a golden casket under one of the altars. And the, the face is a wax reproduction, but the rest of the body is well-preserved. Okay, so that's not the essential piece. That's the, that's the human piece that we like to hold on to. 
The essential piece is the gospel and the scriptures. And today Jesus talks about uh, giving praise to the Father and acting sometimes like children. And sometimes if we act childlike, not like children, but childlike in our simplicity of love and sharing, we know what that's like. I, I just got a, a book through Amazon and I guess it was like a resale and no, no big deal. You, some, you get a little bargain if you buy a red, an already read book. And there was a card in it, a card to someone named Lisa. And it was a very beautiful note written. It was a handmade card, like a, a construction paper with a big heart on the front. And it was a very note, beautiful note to Lisa from Jessica and how beautiful she is and how wonderful friend she is and so on and so forth. It had to do with the subject of the book and I'm not here to advertise that. But people do that. We do that. We send notes to one another. We, we have remembrances of one another and, and we have God's word. And that little note was very childlike. It was like a construction paper with a heart made in construction paper also superimposed on a folded, uh, superimposed on a folded piece. So it's very, if we could trust him, with childlike um, faith, it'd be great. Um, Monica is here, and she has two. She has many kids, but at least two that I know of: uh, Misha and Timka. And whenever they're in church, they regard themselves as my friends, and I am their friend. Um, they're friendly. They're they they speak. We chat. They they tell me things about themselves, uh, and it's it's childlike faith in father, the priest. But that's, that's what God wants from all of us. Childlike faith. Trust him. Put your head on his shoulder. Sit down with him. Tell him what's on your mind. Okay. Early in her childhood, uh, 1300s, she was born, uh, Catherine of Siena, she was one of 22 kids, not only me, uh, 11 survived. Okay. So those are the days of big families. But because of the frailty of, of the human birth person, not all of those children survived. But she was one of many kids in a family of faith. And early on in her writings, she, discover, she discovered Christ in a very special way, not just going to church. There was something personal between her relationship with her and her God, Jesus Christ. And she kept that in her heart for a long time. Now, she's young. She's under 13. Now, also... Her father, according to custom, had plans for her to get married. Uh, and she said, no, I can't get married because I'm married to Jesus. And the father, yeah, okay. You're going to marry this guy, and you can bring more children to the family, and, you know, you're going to get a dowry and all that good stuff. She said, no, I'm not going to do that. So she spent her life in prayer and doing charity. Eventually, when it was time for her to be married, and she really, her father really understood, is this ain't happening she gave herself over to charity. She founded a little organization based on the spirituality of the Dominicans. And she wasn't a nun. She was a lay woman who gave herself over to uh, celibacy and spirituality of taking care of the poor and teaching. Now, she herself didn't learn how to write. Of course, she could talk, you know, well into her, um, she died at 33, I think. But she didn't learn how to write until well into her 20s. So many of her words are written down by her confessor or by scribes, people in her community. Because other women joined her 
in this mendicant kind of lifestyle, taking care of the poor, serving the poor. And she always had this constant connection to Christ. And she was a, pol a politician as well. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, one point in her writings, she talks about the spiritual marriage between her and Christ. And sometimes you see pictures of her with, with Christ placing a ring on her finger. No, no physical ring, but a spiritual ring. And she felt married to Christ. That, that is a common tradition with religious sisters even now, that their marriage is to Christ, the only man of their lives. But with her connection, it made her mystical. It made her uh, connect to Jesus in a very, very interesting way that only mystics can, can connect. Now, part of her mysticism was spirituality, but part of her mysticism came from her own body. She fasted a lot. And sometimes it really weakened her. Now, when people fast, we know this is true, uh, they create images in their minds. Now, she, she wasn't psychotic, but she did have images and, and prayers and visions of Christ in her life. And Christ encouraged her to, to do the work of the church. So she thought work of the church was feeding the poor. It got better. It was the period that we call the Avignon period of the church. For a whole bunch of reasons, the Pope no longer lived in Rome. He moved to Avignon, France, and he was there for quite a long time. And she felt it was her duty to get the Pope back to Rome. Okay, if it, that's a political thing. But she's a, a woman, number one issue against her in those times. Two, she was not literate, like she didn't really write herself, but she had her scribes write. And she wrote letters to the Pope, Gregory IX, I believe, and told him, I mean, my words, get back to Rome. That's where your mission is. You, you're, you're, you're the successor of Peter. Eventually he sends for her. These letters go back and forth. He sends for her. And she becomes his emissary in seeking peace between those who objected to Avignon and those who were pro-Rome. And he gets, back, he gets back to Rome. And it's often dedicated to her, uh, attributed to her talent and her persistence. Now, you know, you, you think of a woman like um, Middle Ages, in the Middle Ages, uh, she gave herself over to Christ. She's probably a, a humble little quiet thing. No such woman, no such woman. Very much like our patroness here, Mother Cabrini. She was a, a dynamo. I mean, maybe someday we'll do a, a pilgrimage to Fort Washington and see her life and see her, her body and so on. But that's another event. And she was really persistent, Catherine. She was going to get the work done. And when she was asked by the Pope to, to go make peace treaties with different nations, Italy was one physical country, but it wasn't united. So there were all these little city-states were there. She went, and she did a good job. So she acted as a, a physical emissary. She acted as a spiritual emissary. Eventually, when, after she died, miracles were attributed to her. She was canonized, and she is the patron, one of the patrons of Europe and of, and of Italy itself. So women of the church, women of the church, very important the heart of the church in so many ways. So all of you women here and all of your, your mothers, we pray for in a special way today because 
they're not wallflowers. You are not wallflowers. You are strong, capable, and you're leaders. And that's what we need more and more with the young women of our church as well as those of us who are, quote, mature. And we have Catherine of Siena as an example. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque.